Wall Street sits and waits. We have the key inflation data coming out next week, and we're wondering what the Federal Reserve is going to do at its next meeting. Welcome, everyone, to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Tobin Smith, out in sunny and hot, scorching hot. Not that Scottsdale, hot, It's always hot there. It's a dry heat, though. Okay, 105 is the new 95, okay? (laughs) There you go. Well, we have a very special guest with us. He's returning to the show. He is a longtime favorite of Buy, Hold, Sells. We have Jeffrey Hirsch from the Stock Traders Almanac. Jeff, thanks for thanks for joining the, the program. <laughs> Great to be with you guys time. again. Yeah, I know. Jeff, well, this Jeff, is... he's uh he got started a little early. Okay, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's the it's the first weekend of uh, week one of the NFL. I'm wearing my Ravens jersey because we already know after last night's game, the Lions are playing the Ravens in the Super Bowl. But we'll talk about that later on in the show. And uh, but right now, Jeff, I got to turn to you. You've been spot on with this stock market. You talked about how August was going to be a troubling month. And you then came out and said, September is the worst performing month in a pre-election year. And I think you're right, but doesn't yep. hold for the rest of the month. It's looking like it's it's uh, working out that way. I mean, seasonals and the cycle, four-year cycle have been tracking incredibly close to the last three years. Um, you know, we've, we've discussed it together a few times. And, you know, you come into this this rough seasonal patch, September, we are, we've already had our August correction. I think we can have another one, maybe even break those August lows a little bit. But there's a lot of other things going on. So you've got the seasonal weakness. You've got, you know, that October 31st deadline for mutual funds that, that where they have to reconcile their, their accounting with the previous year's 10 months, the full year, this year's 10 months, and get all that stuff done. So And then there's the end of Q3 where you get that window dressing so everyone's setting up for the, the, the Q4. And we had our we had our sweet spot of the four-year cycle, you know, those three quarters that we discussed, midterm Q4 to the first two of, of pre-election year. And um, we're looking, you know, like we're gonna have some some selling here. I'm not I'm not gonna be surprised. I'm actually concerned about a September surprise in the financial sector. I'd like to hear your guys take on that too. Um, especially coming from Toby. I know you got your your ear to the ground and a lot of, a lot of that stuff, but you know, with with the uh, uh, ten year pouring with the the high and the Fed, you know, not knowing what the heck's going on really, <laughs> at least anymore, we're concerned that that we could get some downgrades or, or something to shock the the system here during, mm-hmm. you know, we, then we have October phobia. So we got I'm calling it September October phobia now. Because- oh, you've expanded. You know, just as a side note. Uh, I was looking back at not only does the September and weakness, uh, you know, go back 10 years, 20 years, it goes back 50, 50 100, 70. Yeah. Right. And in the old days, you know, when I was born, not you, um, <laughs> the, the, the agrarian society that we had, the banks would lend money, you know, to plant the crops and then they harvest money. And then the reason why the market was down in September is because they were paying off their loans. Uh, yeah, and, and went back in back in those old days when we just quickly when we do the seasonal studies from before World War II, it's a buy in May, not a sell in May, but it yeah. still tops out in September during harvest season. So you know, and I talk about that that you know the older agrarian society driving things, but it's definitely when when the notes were due. Go on. Well, and then I mean, then you know the other thing you know recently obviously uh, has always been. Yeah, look at August. Everybody's going to the Hamptons, you know, the Jersey Shore, your backyard down there. And, um, you know, there's just less volume. There's less 
because there's less volume, there's there's just less aggregate money. What's different this time, Jeff, I think is, yeah, but in any of those other times, we didn't have seven, eight, ten trillion dollars of cash put injected into these systems. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I assumed that we we wouldn't get as much of the September phenomenon um, as as we're going to. But it, you know, the old odd couple episode when you assume, sir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I what I what I find intriguing is that remember, you know, we have this, this is an emotional thing, the stock market, right? And mm-hmm. so the sentiment had gotten so bad, and cash had built up so much that. We did have this, you know, rush from from April, and and uh, uh, things were oversold. And then we got AI mania and yada 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 yada. N- now, I, I it just feels like you know the old saying: you're, we're over our skis. That the the valuations are over the skis. That you know this the market itself is overbought. And it's just I wrote to my newsletter subscribers this week: if you're in a bull market, which which we are in a new bull market, then you want to have pullbacks. What you yeah. don't want is the market to go up 25 percent in three weeks it's exactly what we're up i'm talking about my subscribers i mean i'm saying this week this is going to be temporary we've got some of these other factors other than the seasonals inflation we think is done cooling i mean we we have a projection chart i don't know if you guys if i saw it i think i put it out on the blog too where you know unless the cpi goes up less than 0.2% month over month, the, the year over year is going to increase. This 2% thing is impossible to reach. And the, the 10 year, the yields are going up there. People have better places to put their money. But that's all a nice little reset right at that, you know, end of Q, you know, pre-election year, the Q4 period where it happens every year. I mean, there's, we have a page in the Almanac, Q4 market magic. It's even more pronounced yeah. in, this, in this third year of the cycle because of, of the, the behavior, the repetitive behavior of institutions, how they move their money because of the calendar. Yeah. So I, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Toby. Well, I, I'm just, you know, again, it's also the time frame you're talking about. In other words, many times people don't quite understand that 75%-ish of the trading yesterday was algorithmic trading, was computer trading, right? And because of that, if you look at, you know, the Renaissance Fund with, $25 billion who's making uh, 8,000 trades a day in minute, two minute, you know, formats, blah, 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 scalping a penny, scalping, you know, a 3%, 4%. When the institutions are sort of sitting on their hands, then those guys control the short term part, part of the market, right? Number one. And then number two, we have this rule that if something, you know, uh, goes straight up, uh, that we start to sell into that because nothing goes straight up except something where there's short covering and, you know, and other type of, of mechanical issues. And look at NVIDIA. I mean, if, if NVIDIA has now become the poster child. Apple used to be the poster child. And now NVIDIA is healthily pulling back. You really can't sell for 29 times sales, um, no matter how great AI is going to be. So there is this thing called financial gravity, guys. And financial gravity just run by the difference between the greed of the bulls, the fear of the bears, and the shirt covering of the shorts. And you that hit all at the same time and you get anti-gravity. Everything goes up, right? But mm-hmm. sooner or later, financial gravity comes back home and people who like run money like me are saying, gee, let me see. The average market return, Jeff knows better than I do, but what is it, eight, eight nine percent over the, since like eighteen the nineteen eighty nine? If Seven, eight, nine, depending upon the index. And yeah, the index. if you make 80% of 
like we did on our, you know, chips and semiconductors and so on and so forth in three months, and you don't take profits on that, then they should take the money away from you. There's a song, Spinning Wheel. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so people like go. me are saying, listen, you know, um, it would, I, I, I would be not a fiduciary. I would be against my fiduciary duty. Say, oh, yeah, no, we're going to just stay long, all that stuff. You know, 80, 90% Oh, everybody makes that. No, you don't. Um, and so that's what mm -hmm. people are doing is that people who actually run money, uh, you know, for other people uh, and, and manage money actively, not passively, are simply just cashing in, building cash, letting the normal uh, Jeffrey Hurts September, uh, you know, come. I mean, well, all, all, all seriousness yeah. and all the respect, that's exactly what creates this September weakness phenomenon. It, it, it is because of people doing that and institutions like you're talking about doing that year in, year out on a regular basis. It's the, the quarterly behaviors of institutional fund managers. So, so with that said, so with that said, Jeff, then it sounds like all the talk about potential hikes in September, but also the one more before the end of the year and potentially maybe even into 2024, because you said we're never going to hit that 2% target, but I don't think Jerome, so. Powell, Jerome Powell is, I think it's like, no, we are you know, it. when you got somebody that's always late to an appointment, you tell them that. <laughs> You know, you give him a half. We'll meet at noon when you really want them to be there at one. So he's saying, like, we're we're shooting for two, but we'll be happy with three when they get there. Well, I, I we about, uh, hold on, Toby, but yeah. think about the the repercussions of that. I mean, because every meeting they're talking about two percent, and he comes out and he's stomping his foot up there and he's saying, okay. "No, we're going to do. We're going for two percent." So they'll no find the what. metric. They'll find the metric that measures 2%, even though it won't be what the rest of us feels out in the real world. The CPI will be 3.3. The PCE deflator will go down to 2. PPI might might drop down there as well. But well, really, the, yeah. CPI, the CPI, the CPI cool. headline's got to be super high only because yeah. gas has, has gone up uh, yeah. with oil going higher. But the core rate, yeah, should yeah. should look uh, pretty yeah, healthy. But, but, go ahead, Toby. Bianco and I uh, was on was on last week. And, and by the way, Chad, it was the first time I ever saw him laugh. Uh, you know, CBC for 25 years. He's never cracked a smile. And he's good. Jim's good. He, he's great. And, and so great I, guy. we both agreed that, you know, truly the Fed, you know, missed the transitory dealio. And, you know, they got 115 economists there. Uh, nobody built a model, you know, about how, you know, sort of these unique, you know, situation. Similarly, if all of our disinflation over the last 20 years a, a, a significant amount of it has come because we offshored all our manufacturing to China and those and, you yep. know, we have consistently could not get over 2% inflation for all those years. Now that we're essentially reshoring, how in freaking possible is it that we should use a 2% inflation rate when we essentially have imported another 1% inflation rate by reshoring? Don't you change the model when everything else changes? They should. I mean, they change it when it suits them to, you know, Maybe make it that two two negative quarters of GDP doesn't equal a recession anymore, just because they need to claim a recession some other time. Yeah. Um, I mean, they've been manipulating these numbers for years. You know, GDP up at five point whatever percent. It's five point six last estimate from from the Atlanta Fed GDP yeah. now there. That's pretty inflationary. That's a little warm. You know, uh, you think they would um, they would remodel things. There's an old quote. 
I think it was either Eisenhower or Reagan. Like, I wish I had a one-handed economist so that he couldn't say, on the other hand. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was Reagan. That was Reagan. It was Reagan, right? Yeah. And then, um, you know, yeah, I, you know it, it, will, it will be interesting. I, I think what's so confusing, and I wrote about a lot of this this week, is it, what's so confusing to everybody, and first off is people, you know, who don't think that we're in a confusing time, then they're just full of smoke. Um, but you have, I could count uh, 20 contradictory, uh, you know, positives and 20 contradictory negatives, all happening simultaneously. And yet we still, you know, have all that huge cash sloshing. No one talks yes. about the feds, feds, you know, taking out $95 billion a month. Where, where was that? <laughs> and and just the government spending alone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not I mean, even the Federal Reserve, but the federal government is just spending a ton of money on everything. Well, so yeah, I mean, contextually, as I, I told Todd or said yesterday, you know, when I was slinging 13, 14 percent 10 year bond funds in 1983 to pensions, I would tell these guys, dude, this is, a, you know, even you can't screw this up. Just buy the freaking, you know, 30 year bond here. It's going to be worth five times what it was, blah, blah, blah. Right. But at that time, we only had a $228 billion deficit, or actually deficit. We had $228 billion of, of debt. Today, you know, we've got going to $35 trillion by the end of uh, the first quarter next year. And um, and now we're pussyfooting around with like the little stuff. Uh, you know, we don't mm -hmm. have that flexibility that we had years ago. With all that being equal, it, you know, the stock market is still a derivative of the future earnings that it, you know, is discounting. Um, there's great trends happening and you know we're making stupid money in stocks but on a macro basis to try to really say oh yeah i got a good handle on this yeah there you go <laughs> well <laughs> jeff we had you on uh, the beginning of the year and you were very bullish very optimistic for for the coming year and you were spot on i mean it, it, it was great and great great forecast um how how accurate has this year been though to what the Stock Traders Almanac had maybe predicted. I, I mean, it's it's super accurate. It's scary accurate, you know, making me wonder if this can go on for, for many years. But um, actually even better than expected. I mean, I don't know if you remember, I think I said it with you guys on the air that the, if there was one thing I was most concerned about was not being bullish enough. And we yes. see it. Yeah, I mean, I said it a few places, mm -hmm. but you know, our best- We had it We had it first. We had it first here at Buy, Hold, Sell. When you say it. Calm down, Todd. Uh, I probably, Calm down, yeah. Todd. Just take a, take a deep breath, okay, Todd? We had the exclusive. Was was no, I just want to point that out. You know, we had our best case, you know, outlook at 15 to 20%. We, we surpassed that. You know, we gave some back a bit. Uh, I mean, what, the, the NDX was up 45% at the yeah. highs, if, if memory serves. Yeah. Um, right. But that's very, you know, typical pre-election year behavior. I mean, the move from the midterm low to the pre-election year high for NASDAQ is 68.2%. For for the Dow, it's 48%. So, yeah, it's kind of right in the, the Almanac wheelhouse ballpark. You know, it's well, interesting because you know, all the guests – well, hold on, Toby. All the guests that we've had on Buy, Hold, Sell this year, I would say, I mean, from Dan Ives, Lizanne Saunders, Gina Martin-Adams, Sam Stovar, our friend, Sam Stovar. I mean, everybody has been bullish. I mean, Katie Stockton's probably the, been the, the most – bearish out of the entire group that has been on this show that's because um, she's a pure technician and yeah, that's, right, just a yeah. general well, that's that's that well that's the nerve-wracking part of it though because then that makes you think hold on now as a technician what is she seeing that everybody else isn't and so far over the last what five weeks i mean she has been accurate well oh yeah she's great 
Yeah. I mean, te technicals are important. I just use them in conjunction with fundamentals, seasonals, monetary policy, and, you know, sentiment and what's going on in the world. Yeah, it, it, it is just, you know, we just have still lags from the pandemic. We have lags from the invasion. We have lags from the not passing a freaking budget. You know, there, there's, there's just significant, significant issues that all are colliding, you know, at the same time, like it's a, like a WWE match with all the, all those, you know, the rest. Well, of I mean, it's, it's like the rolling recession we had, like the rolling bear market bottom we had, you know, we've got lots of cross currents. We've got inflation up, GDP up, the labor market still, you know, strong. I know there's a, it's, it's maybe weakening a little bit or coming back to normal. Um, there's just, uh, you know, the consumers, you know, having a little bit of an issue here, but still strong. You got emerging markets are having some trouble. China's having some trouble, but the U.S. is great. Small stocks are struggling, but big caps and tech are great. I mean, there's a lot of, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. yin and yang going on. Yeah, but, you're right. Jeff, Go I, ahead, Toby, close it up. Yeah. yeah, I've been talking a lot about the, you know, the like the, non-politically correct uh, aspect of what in the United States is, which is, you know, if you do the math, the top 20% of household by income uh, provide about 78% of the discretionary spending. So it really doesn't, you know, count. If you're looking at the whole GDP, it's the core GDP where that discretionary spending, that's at the margin, how our GDP grows. And then secondarily, we have 63 counties in the United States that account for 74% of all the GDP. There's a lot of parts of the country that can be weak but on a gross GDP basis, it doesn't really matter. What matters is, is that the unemployment rate in our 63 super counties is about two and a half percent. And so, you know, that juggernaut, Germany doesn't have that. You know, the UK does not have that. Um, and because they're a manufacturing economies and we're a service economy, we are the buoyant place, which I do believe because, you know, money comes from everywhere. If I'm running a German pension fund, I am not. I'm not investing in the German money right now. I am in the American because we 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 don't have a natural gas problem. We have a surplus. We don't have it. You know. It's and you wonder why the dollar is so strong. Right. Well, that, there you go. Well, the that, now that the entertainment portion of the show is over, let's cut it to break on this one. So, but coming up after the break, we're going to ask Jeff what the Stock Traders Almanac tells us about the fourth quarter and a pre-election year. Wondering what he's going to say to us because we want to know if, to, if we should stay bullish or if we should maybe think about being embarrassed. But we will be answering that plus Super Bowl predictions when we get back after the break. Please stay with us. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.
Ready to up your game and learn more about the thrilling world of sports betting? Introducing Double Down with Breslow, the ultimate podcast about the business of sports gambling. Join me, James Breslow, and a long list of expert guests as we dive into the art and science of the sports betting industry. Evolving regulations, technology enhancements, and the meteoric rise in the number of players makes this sector the fastest growing and most intriguing in the world. Unlock the business secrets from many of the industry's most recognizable C-suite executives, including famous odds makers and influencers every episode of double down with Breslow is packed with insider tips deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting listen to double down with Breslow on the evergreen podcast network or wherever you listen to podcasts that's double down with Breslow the business of sports betting podcast on any given day in Washington policy proposals are created debated and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? This is Jessica from Jay Walker Salon Group, and you're watching Tobin and Todd from Buy, Hold, Sell. Stock market ended uh, with a snooze, actually. We actually ended uh, a fifth flat line, a little bit up, but um, for the most part, not a lot of activity because everybody's waiting for the key inflation data to come out next week, thinking that's going to actually uh, move the needle for the Fed for their September meeting. But with all of that said, we do have with us a very special guest, Jeffrey Hirsch. He is the editor of the Stock Traders Almanac. And Jeff, when we left it in the last break, we teased it with wondering how the fourth quarter looks uh, going into the election year. Now, our friend Sam Stovall has been uh, all over the media. He's been giving speeches and he's been talking about a Santa Claus rally. Is that what the Stock Traders Almanac is telling us as well? Well, the Santa Claus rally was invented by the Stock Traders Almanac. And I was going to say, I, I remember that. <laughs> we discussed this last year. And if Sam is talking about a Santa Claus rally, is he talking about the real Santa Claus rally or any year-end rally? Well, he's talking about the guy. I think what he's saying is that we're going to see a Santa Claus rally from October 1st through Halloween, Thanksgiving, and well past Christmas. He's that's very not, optimistic. That's not a Santa Claus rally. Santa no. Claus rally is the last five days of the year, the first through the new year. That's called the fourth quarter rally. Yeah. But if I mean, he's very premature. Rally, so maybe. <laughs> All I right. Mean, Sam's reading the almanac. Sam and I are friends. He and I agree on these seasonal patterns, these, these four-year cycle patterns. And yeah, not only is the fourth quarter expected to be strong this year, um, it is generally for pre-election years. But the interesting thing is that the highs for pre-election years tend to occur in December and an incredible cluster at on the last trading day of the year. So I'm even expecting new highs either on or around maybe shortly thereafter year end because we see this. I'm looking at one of my charts that yeah. I put out there on the screen. And the, the last half of December, which is when you get the small cap rallies or the old giant yeah. effect. It goes straight up. Back up. I have to get. I have to make sure I understand this. What you're suggesting is that we will see higher highs for the markets in 2023, potentially in the last trading day of the year. Potentially, yes, yes. It wow. shows up on on my stats. I mean, there's a page in the in the almanac. I think it's right here, even in the in the 23. 
50% moves. And you can see a lot of December 31s on there. And I don't want to take the time to look at the page. Oh, here it is, page 30. Page 30 of the Stock Traders Almanac. So if everybody at home has it, December 31, December 27, December 13. I mean, a lot of 30s and 31s and a bunch of other days in December are the, hey. the high for the pre-election year. Hey, Hirsch, talk about talking your book. You are actually talking your book. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I mean, so, do you always, agree with them? Well, I, what I find is interesting always is that, you know, you get into the last week before you, that you can take a loss on a stock and write it and, and, and write it off against your gains. So the small cap ones, you know, always sell off, if, if particularly if there'd been a, you know, a lot of uh, profits made. So yep. they pick the losers and, you know, they, they so that's just market mechanics. But then, you know, when, when I used to run a mutual fund, you get a little jiggy about December 5th if you're behind your mark. And shockingly, Jeff, just shockingly, the it, I would buy things purely because they had the most momentum and I could end the year strong. Uh, and and I didn't really care what the hell, I you know, I'm a fundamental guy, but dude, if freaking NVIDIA was going up at 15% a week and I was behind my bogey. You, the, you have to you have to put it in your portfolio so that everyone who sees your end of your statement sees that, hey, he owns the good stock. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that cool. those type of mechanics, you know, that's why I love doing this, this show because they don't talk about it, you know, on, on CNBC and other ones, you know, they pretend like blah, 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 blah. Well, no, earnings are you Valuations yeah. and yeah, it's all about valuation. Blah, blah. There's no emotion in the stock market whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's, it's obvious if I hold so it's the best financial uh, show out there. So we are we already know that. But uh, yeah. but uh, Jeff, go. <laughs> but with that, okay. Now let's talk about a little bit. Now you're going to be on the show. We'll have you on the show multiple times. Great we have the the new show coming out, obviously. And um, and we'll get into that later on in, in future episodes. But I have to ask you, what about the election year, though? So should investors be thinking, OK, let's buy this. It's right it all the way up to the end of the year and then get out. Or should they just continue to hold into that election year? Uh, next year is probably going to probably going to be bullish as well. Not as bullish as this year. Speaking of my book, again, you know, we've already sent the 2024 Stock Traders Almanac to press. It's being printed, should be off uh, mid-October in the warehouse. Um, you guys will definitely get a uh, personalized copy. Perhaps hey, a, I like that. A, a table in a fancy restaurant somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll wear sport coats or something like that. <laughs> but, you know, one of the, the key points, and, you know, I, I do my outlook for, for 24 around June when we, go, when we send it off for, for proofing and stuff. So... You got to look, you know, 18 wow. months out, which is, you know, it takes a takes a set uh, and a little <laughs> bit of experience and, you know, learning from from Yale, my father and just, just, you know, doing it for a while. But one of the things that we talk about is, you know, not just the power of the four year cycle, but the power of a sitting president running for reelection. Politics aside, whatever you whatever you think, uh, um, you've got a person who runs the greatest economy in the free world or in the world, he's got the power of the bully pulpit and his administration is trying to keep himself or his party. It's even more so when, when you got somebody running for a second term in power and they're going to do everything they can to make the country happy and the citizens happy and people happy. And that power is, is quite prevalent in the chart. And, you know, sitting presidents may be up towards 12%. I'm looking at already... I've thrown the number around about an eight to twelve percent 
gain for 2024 from the close. And wow. This is the close of, of 23. So right, well, let's, and, make that, let's make a clip out of that, Sean Berger. That's a buy hold so exclusive. Wow, yeah, that's got, incredible. Because uh, I, I couldn't imagine having to make that prediction in June for next year, 2023, for 2024. Admittedly, um, I've honed in on, on those numbers a little bit since June, as I've been talking about and previewing the book and giving my subscribers and, and other people, you know, a, a hints of what we're talking about for next huh? year. And this gets into my super boom forecast, which we've talked about, which I made back in 2010 at around Dow 10,000 for 38,820, which is another Yale discovery of the 500% moves. And we're we're already ahead of schedule there. And, you know, what we're going to want to continue to study and look at is what happens after that. You know, 2025, post-election year, second-term president, we're going to have a lot of, uh, um, you know, we've, we're still anticipating the, all, all the impacts of, of the war and COVID, like you mentioned before, and all the money coming in there. There's going to be, you know, a comeuppance on that on the other side, in addition to the long-term secular cycles. And we may end up going back into something akin to what we had in the 70s and 80s, where more of a sideways stock pickers market, which would be great for you, Toby, and your fundamental yeah. stock picking and the way I love small caps. And we, I mean, I'm a fundamental stock picker as well. We also pick them at that time of the year. It's mm -hmm. seasonals work great during that time frame as well. So that's just looking a little further out, but yeah. Hey, Jeff, quick question for you. So you said in June, you're looking at the rolling 18 month period. So you're trying to predict you have to have that vision you know, that you're trying to really forecast some decent numbers. How do you do that in an election year, though? Because next, because you really are going to press when before the actual vote actually is taking place. I mean, what if Biden isn't reelected? Um, that won't happen until 2024, November. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So you will start to see that in the beginning parts of, of, of the year, if it's likely that Biden doesn't get reelected or the incumbent's not reelected, you'll see weakness early in the year, the first five months. But you end up getting something that I've called the sort of ding dong, the witch is dead effect at the end of the year. So you've got the power of a sitting president driving things bullishly. But if the country's not happy, uh, whether it's economic, uh, you know, it's always the economy stupid um, or something else happens uh, health wise or scandal or, you know, overseas or, you know, geopolitical and the country becomes unhappy. The market will reflect that. You'll see that in the first five months of the year. That's also part of the 20 the, the election year perspectives that page that, are, that is in the almanac. But once that new president or that existing president is ousted, the market rallies in, in celebration that we we got rid of the, you know, the, the bad I, let's switch topics right now and because we're going to close out the show. Let's talk about the NFL season. You got week one coming up. When this show airs, it's going to air on Sunday morning before all the games start. Uh, we just saw the first game, the Lions beat the Chiefs. It's obvious that the, that the Detroit Lions are going to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's how I look at it. But what do you guys think? Now, you guys God. know where my allegiance stands. God. You already know. I, I already know the Baltimore Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl. It yeah, will you've be been saying that. Lombardi you've Jersey. been saying that for 20 years. Look, it, it was not the <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs. It was the Kansas City Chiefs without Kelsey, the greatest tight end of all time. Yeah. And without Jones, the He's not Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews for the Ravens is the best tight end for I've, I've been all of all time. You guys, you have the best place kicker. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, but otherwise, there you go. go so as a as a lifelong <laughs> Giants fan, New York Giants fan, I I don't move teams with 
you know, when I change locations, um, Yankees, Giants, Rangers, you know, of course, we're East Knicks. Coast, yeah. I, I was at the Knicks games when there were six people there, you know, including me, back in <laughs> back in the the old days in the late eighties. But um, I'm curious to see if 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 you know the Giants can actually, you know, the G men can can be impressive because. You know, my ADD will kick in if they're not good, and I'll get bored, and I'll I'll, I'll start watching golf or, or rugby or the World Rugby World Cup. So they got to make it rugby exciting. And there's too many damn commercials for me. Well, you're not making a prediction. You're just being a sentimental. The Giants have about as much chance of winning the Super Bowl as you know I do, and uh, <laughs> buying the house next door to me over here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it, but, so I'll be watching Toby, the Ryder Toby, Cup then, huh? Yeah, yeah. But Toby, yeah, give no. her, Toby, give a prediction. It can't be the Colorado Buffalo. No, no, no. I, I, I believe that Kelsey and Jones are coming back. Uh, I believe that, it, that we're going to have a reprise of last year because the AFC is like the Super Bowl already of of football teams, and nothing else really counts, Todd. That's what I. That's what I'm telling you. And <laughs> and Hirsch can nibble all he wants about his Giants, but look at Burroughs just got a fifty million dollar year contract. You know. Uh, all these quarterbacks are making fifty million a year, and there's a reason for that because they win. What about the poor running backs? Never won anything. <laughs> the running, running backs, backs are just there to—they're just they, there to block their... the freaking linebackers who who get into. Running backs they, don't do they squat. Get brain anymore. injuries and no money. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter. All I know is that the I'm a, I'm always going to say the Ravens, but it's great to be a Baltimore fan. We got the Orioles are going to win the World Series, and you got the Ravens winning the Super Bowl. Where else would you rather be? That's Jeez. all I'm going to say. We'll close out the show on that. You one. are a Scott <laughs> Clock analyst. Not a year for so New York weird. sports. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So listen, we're going to leave it there on this show. And I want to thank Jeff Hurst. He is the editor of the Stock Traders Almanac. Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining us today. Always love having you on the show. I know we're going to have you back. And uh, we'll yeah, definitely yeah. get you in studio when we're at the NASDAQ. So it's going to be awesome. So on, on behalf of Jeffrey Hurst and Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. Thank you once again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. We'll catch you next time. Take care. Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transform, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.